It's about understanding that workforce isn't a recruiting job. It isn't a leadership job. It's everybody's job. If you have needs in the workforce, you must communicate them. And the vehicle to do that is our recruiting team. Don't conduct your analysis in isolation because data is so incredibly powerful. Not defending just the tribe, but defending the organization. Those creative people that you really want to keep empowered, keep excited, keep motivated, keep thinking. Good experience pays dividends down the line. Stereotypes tend to break down in proximity. Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast about human resources, business, technology, and the workplace. My name is Ben Eubanks, your host, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey everyone, it's Ben Eubanks, host of We're Only Human, and goodness gracious, I'm so glad to have you here. I'm looking forward to a conversation today with not one, but two amazing women who are doing great work, and I'm, I'm just excited to talk to, to Kayla and Betty Jo, who are at Mercy, and so we're going to talk to them about hiring, talk about recruiting, talk about bringing together the perspectives of someone who works on the ops side of the business. Today's example will be healthcare, but it could be anyone, so if you're listening to this and you're like, how do I get a better relationship with people outside of HR, outside of recruiting. I'm hoping we'll get some good tips and advice from the team today on how to do that because we have both perspectives here. So without any further ado, I'd like to welcome you both onto the show. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for having us, Ben. We're happy to be here. I am excited to have you here. Absolutely. So before we dive into the fun conversation around recruiting and some of the things that that you and the team have been looking at and and doing over the last year, Kayla, why don't you go first and let let us know who you are and what you do? Sure. So again, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to, to be here with you today and have Betty Jo join in, in our conversation. And I am the Director of Talent Acquisition Strategy and Operations here at Mercy. And I currently serve um, and oversee our nurse recruitment team and our clinical support services team. And as you mentioned, worked very closely with Betty Jo on, on day-to-day of what's happening in recruitment and getting her the nurses that she needs to be able to take care of our patients and our communities. Wonderful. Betty Jo, how about you? Yes, I'm delighted to be here with both of you. My name is Betty Jo Rocchio, and I'm the Senior Vice President and System Chief Nursing Officer at Mercy. I work alongside Kayla. We are great partners trying to get the workforce that we need to help take care of our patients. So I'm delighted to be here. Wonderful. So I'd love for us to kick this off. Obviously, any everyone listening to this now, when this is going to publish, is going to think, okay, in the last year, the world of healthcare has been especially strange and probably strained mm-hmm. as well. And so I'd love to hear from you what's been going on in your world. Has it been, has there been a lot of hiring? If so, what's it been like? How do you even responded to that? Just tell us a little about that to kind of set the stage, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah, so I'll start from a, a talent selection perspective. And you're right, there's been a lot of changes over the last year in our world, and especially being in healthcare. COVID has definitely disrupted our workforce in all areas, how we recruit, how do we onboard our new coworkers, how do we train them, how do we take care of our patients. So really all at all facets across our organization, it's really disrupted of how we operate and how we process. So from a talent selection perspective, definitely when COVID first hit, we had to pivot quickly, right? So our team had to 
work remotely and we had to leverage an entirely virtual recruiting process and virtually overnight. So it hit and all of a sudden, okay, we're working from home and now we're going to a virtual model and trying to keep up with the, the fast changing and the demanding hiring needs that we were experiencing at that time. Luckily, prior to COVID, we were working towards a digital transformation within our talent selection team. So that really helped us to be able to pivot quickly once that disruption struck our organization. We were on the front end of a lot of innovation and technology. We recognized the need of virtual hiring before COVID even happened. So that really made us better equipped and prepared once we had to, to shift to that virtual model. And part of our strategy before COVID was we recognized with the talent shortage that we have, especially with the nursing shortage, that we needed to be able to meet our candidates, you know, where they needed to be met. We needed to provide them greater flexibility and then also make it easier for them to connect and engage with our recruiters. When COVID happened, we, we, that's what we leaned on, immediately leveraged the technology that we had and standardized our process to design and deliver an engaging virtual candidate experience as we're navigating through COVID. So luckily we, are, we were fully prepared with a, a virtual career fair platform. So we were able to still really do everything that we needed to do from a recruitment perspective of hosting virtual career fairs. We were able to, to move pretty quickly to virtual interviews using WebEx and phone interviews. We have a, a technology as well where we are able to work quickly with our candidates for them to be able to schedule on our calendar. Being prepared prior to COVID really made a huge difference in that transition. Betty Joe, one of the things I'd love to ask you, because Kayla's talking about some really cool things they've done on the recruiting side to prepare for that, to make sure they had the, the components on their operation side to be able to handle the volume of candidates and everything else just to support that regardless of what the world looked like. And they had some things ready for the virtual shift. When I think about, I've never hired a nurse. So to tell me what your perspective is, but it seems like that's one of the jobs where you're like, I'd love to see this person. I'd love to feel what this person's like to know how they're going to interact with our patients, how they're going to care for our people. And it, it would, I imagine that's hard to get from a resume. How did you and the team get get over that hurdle of just getting to know people. Was it possible to do that in the virtual interview kind of setting or did you need something else to do that? So that's interesting, right? Because when you're talking about patient care and really delivering that compassionate care that we're known for at Mercy, that is one of the things that sets us apart. And I say this all the time that we have a lot of nurses in this country, but there's only a small section that can be a Mercy nurse. Mm -hmm. And how do you get to that place where we're able to assess and understand who's going to be best prepared to take care of our patients. And so that's one of the things that working with Kayla that we appreciate is that technology brings the candidates to us, but she has a very robust way that she looks at the talent side of it, as well as the culture side of it, and then matching it up to meet the needs of our specific departments, right? So nurses have specialties. And so a nurse isn't just a nurse. There are certain specialties that you want different personalities and different talents for because they do better in that type of workforce. And so Kayla has a position called a talent scout that I'm sure she'll tell us a little bit about. So she has a technology platform that opens the funnel for the candidates. We have something called a talent 
assessment that allows us to take a look at the candidate from a perspective on paper. And then we have the talent scout that Kayla's really trained to be that person who understands by community what is needed out of that nurse. And so before my team has to vet candidates, Kayla's really gone through, her and her team have really gone through a rigorous process to find us the best candidates. So she hands them off to us and it's pretty quick work for us. And so that's one of the things that we appreciate most about it. That's intriguing. Kayla, would you tell me more about the this talent scout? Is this like a Tell me in, in recruiter speak, is this a sorcerer? Is this, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. How are they doing that? Because I'd love to, I've never heard the term and I, mm-hmm. I might have to steal that. That's incredible. Yeah. So it, we wanted to think, of, you think of it as a sorcerer, but we wanted to put a different spin on it. So the way our team is structured is we have our recruiters and they're handling full life cycle, day-to-day recruitment, posting the positions, the interviews, working with the leaders to extend the offers. But the talent scout, their role is really to be a brand ambassador for Mercy. So they are out there and they are sourcing passive candidates on job boards or within our CRM or our ATS, really re-engaging maybe past applicants who haven't applied in, in a few years. So reaching out to them and getting in front of them and telling them, like why they want to work at Mercy. Betty Jo touched on being a Mercy nurse and what does that mean and what makes us unique in our culture and our mission. And we are so mission driven and we put a big emphasis on that. And when we, part of our interview process is a Mercy fit interview to make sure that the candidates' cultures or their values align with our values and are they going to be a cultural fit? Um, a lot of times we tell candidates, as much as you're, we're interviewing you, you're interviewing us too, right? Because we know that retention starts with recruitment. So that talent scout role is so important. They're our front line, if you will. They're out there on Indeed and sourcing, but then also our paid advertising campaigns, all of them, they are direct back to our talent scout. So we want to make it really efficient and easy for our candidates to apply. So instead of putting them through the full application process, we have them complete a short form. And when they submit that, that routes directly to our talent scouts and they are able to immediately in the moment reach out to those candidates and really learn more about them and have that personal touch. We have so much technology. Technology is great. It can make us more efficient. But you never want to lose that personal connection with the candidates. And that's what will set you apart from your competitors. So we put a lot of emphasis of having that conversation with them and finding out where do they want to work? As Betty Jo mentioned, what makes an ICU nurse is different than an OR nurse is different than a labor and delivery nurse. So finding out more about them and their background and experience and and what they're passionate about And we have all of these different options. Are they wanting full-time? Are they wanting part-time? Do they want day shift, night shift? What are they really looking for? That way we can connect them with the recruiter and the hiring leader. And it's already really teed up, right? To get them through that interview process as quickly as possible. I love this balance that I've heard from both of you. We are talking about, we have these structures processes. We have data, right? We have all these different things we can use, but we're also looking for that thing that we it's, it's, it's almost hard to put your finger on. It's almost this thing we feel. And it reminds me years ago, I read this, this book. It was written by this, the CEO of a healthcare system. He was talking about how they recruit. And he said, we have this cohort of nurses that we're talking, we're talking to about final stages of, of interviewing and we bring them in and we have a 
a child, one of our children who's got cancer and that they've been cured and we come through and their family tells a story in front of this group is we're looking for someone over there that's reacting emotionally to this, that they feel this because those are the people that we're looking for that are going to be willing to say, mm -hmm. you know, I am here, not just because yes, I've got this certification or yes, I've got this degree or yes, I've got whatever. I'm here because I I'm excited with the mission, as you were saying a minute ago. So that's the thing I'm th hearing as you're talking about this is it's not just the all the, the data, the numbers, and everything else, because it's easy to to get stuck right. in those things sometimes on the hiring side. But there's this feeling of someone who who really does care. I wrote Mercy Nurse is what what you said earlier, and I, I wrote that down. I love that. Just this defines what it looks like here, and this is what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yes, and I think that's so important. You have to have a passion to serve, and I think it's pretty. Um, easy to tell when you're going through through an interview of who, who does something for a paycheck and it's just a job to them versus those that are truly passionate about what they're doing and serving patients and giving back. And we always, within talent selection, I always make sure to, in our team meetings, to bring it back to our mission, right? Because us as recruiters, we're not touching the patients but we are still making a difference and reminding them of the work that they're doing as recruiters is making a huge impact on our ministry. We're really the, the frontline, the gatekeepers of who we're bringing into here to care for our patients and making sure, hey, who we're hiring? Is that somebody that you would want to take care of your mother or your grandmother and, and making sure that we're making those right hiring decisions and only passing along candidates to the hiring leaders that are truly a cultural fit and have that passion to serve. Betty Jo, I'd like to ask you a question around around some of this you were talking about here. You you talked a little bit ago about how you connect in with the team, how you they give you the short lists, and you and your your team work from there to figure out who you're going to ultimately hire. And I'm curious. Last year was a weird example. I don't know if that's the best example to go with, but it's recent. It's fresh for everybody. So suddenly everything changes. We're you're trying to think on your feet. How's this going to adapt? How's this going to require us to change what we're hiring for? You had plans. Everybody had plans that suddenly went up in smoke. And what did you do in that moment? Did you say, okay, let's bring Kayla and the crew in. We're going to have a talk about nuts and bolts. Here's what it's looking. Did you and the team figure this out and then call them in after that? I'm curious just how that flow, that ebb and flow goes, because I talked to leaders who work in some organizations and they get a call from someone saying, hey, let's put a dollar in the recruiting vending machine and get a candidate out. And they see it as this sort of order taker feel and it's not as much of a partnership as I'm getting from you two. So I'd love for you to talk for that a little bit because I'm hoping someone's going to hear some of that maybe and get some ideas on how to better interact with someone that does the kind of work that you do. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Okay. Yes. So at first, right when COVID started, it was more about we shut down the hospitals, right? If you remember how this happened, everybody just went silent for a minute in our hospitals and the volume that went out of our hospitals because of COVID was, it was staggering. And so one of the things we relied upon is what do we do with the nurses, say for example, in our procedural areas, OR, cath labs, those type of things, because we, we shut down all those elective cases and we're only keeping emergencies open. So you can imagine we were down, we were probably down to about an eighth of our volume across the whole health system, but we had nurses who could help out with COVID patients if we could retrain them quickly. And what I'll say is the partnership with Kayla and her team allowed us to have a good inventory of who we hired, what they could do, and we were able to deploy and educate them faster under that talent framework 
than I think most people were able to do. One of the things that the health system has that's very unique is a very great technology and analytics platform, and we use it in nursing. So Kayla and I are able to communicate, exchange information through a technology platform and share things that I think brings our collaboration much closer together. And we're able to see things on both sides of the fence much faster. And we were able to just deploy people faster. So for example, we had a spike in COVID in our St. Louis region first. Those nurses were trained in ICU with COVID patients. And then it relaxed a little bit in St. Louis and we saw the spike occur in Arkansas in one of our Arkansas facilities. We were able to deploy the nurses who had the experience with COVID in St. Louis out to Northwest Arkansas to be able to help take care of those patients when they were spiking. So I think the, Kayla hit it spot on when she said, the way you bring people in makes a big difference. What you get on the front half is invaluable and how you exchange that information through a platform is even more valuable. Kayla meets with our nursing team weekly, our regional CNO team to keep us up to date on what she's seeing, what the market forces are, where we should be moving next. And we relay the information to her on what we're looking for. Have we changed our strategy? And then we're getting ready to build a technology platform that we're probably both going to be working in here shortly to be able to, when this market changes again, I think it's going to change post-COVID. Kayla and I spend time now talking about where that market's moving and we're preparing now for the next phase of this. We know we've had a big disruptor. She and I feel like this market isn't going to go back the same way. And we're trying to leverage our analytics platform to be able to take advantage faster of the candidates that are going to be out there when all this lands. It's a pretty great relationship and we're able to move with whatever the market gives us together. And I think that's the secret, Ben, to what you're talking about. It's not only do we get the right candidates, but internally have we mixed our relationships and partnerships to be able to get those candidates through the door and keep them. And that's really what, what Kayla and I do <laughs> is go through that. I love that. That is so much fun to hear how close you are. And it's not just that one of the other themes so far has been, this is not just a, for the candidates you said a minute ago, Kayla, this is not just us grilling them. It's them asking us, is this the place I would like to work? Same thing here. It's not just one way where it's jumping information in your lap. It's what are you seeing? Here's what I'm seeing. Is this jive of what you're, okay, how does this match up? Trying to figure out if you're both on the, on the right page together. Kayla, let's turn the tables just a little bit. I want to ask you something similar here. And if it's, hey, everything's the same here, that's fine. We just move on. But I want to ask you, you are, you are a recruiting leader and there are lots of people listening in that have that same responsibility, whether it's that's their sole job or they have that among other duties they're carrying out. How do you make sure that you have clear expectations between you and stakeholders? Betty Jo's one of them, right? You have others that you're mm -hmm. taking that you're taking care of. How do you make sure that you have those clear expectations? Because again, sometimes it feels like I'm not sure what they need. They tell me after they needed it. I need this yesterday. Mm -hmm. Nothing that ever happens there. I'm just kind of curious how you do that. Yes, yes. I definitely echo, you know, everything that, that Betty Jo said, but I think one key important thing for me is the relationship that we have and how, you know, we are in constant communication. Betty Jo is always there to, I'm texting her. She's always answering my phone calls. She is always available. And 
has a fast response time to, to any request or anything that I need. So we have this really great relationship where we're, like you mentioned, we're meeting weekly, I meet with her and then the other regional CNOs to not only give them the data that they need, right? Like how many hires, um, what's our termination, going over that information, but then just also talking like what's happening in the moment, what's happening in the market. We have hospitals across Missouri and Arkansas and Oklahoma, and not every community is the same. So what strategy we have in St. Louis may be different than our strategy in Northwest Arkansas or Oklahoma City. And just making sure that we're fully transparent with each other of, hey, we're seeing declines in, in this community because the pay is changing or competitors made a shift. So now we need to make a shift. How do we keep up with that? And how are we being agile? So I think just really having that close relationship where I know that I'm able to, to connect with her some, I said we meet weekly, but Betty Jo, you'll test this. Sometimes you hear from me daily of just checking in and, and brainstorming. <laughs> me and, yeah. <laughs> I'm actually um, talking nine o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> right. But brainstorming new ideas too. There's sometimes where I come to Betty Jo, I'm like, hey, let's try this. And she makes it happen. She said, okay, I'll go talk to the managers and we will get on board. And vice versa. She'll come to me if, hey, can we try this? And I go back to the recruiters and we're able to, to really collaborate with one another try new ideas. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, we try something else. So I, I think that's really what makes our relationship so great. I'm so enjoying this conversation, by the way, I'm thinking of so many, I'm taking a bunch of notes over here and thinking about the, the great takeaways in this. And I've already got a couple of these things I picked up in the conversation. So this will be probably reiterating things you've said, there might be other some other things you're, you can think of, but I'd love for you, either both one of you doesn't matter to share a bit of practical advice for people who are listening who want that same relationship you have. They are envious of that. They are dying because I, I can't get, I'm not that connected to someone who be listening to this is I'm not connected to my recruiting team. I wish they understood my needs. So when recruiting saying, I wish I got, you know, could get them to understand what this recruiting stuff is like, how hard it is. And this isn't as easy as, you know, pushing a button and someone showing up at your door. How do they build that better relationship or anything, any other practical advice you might offer there? Because I think that's the thing that you've really, I don't want to say solved, because it always probably is a work in progress and you're, you're building that relationship all the time, but you have it in a really good place that people can learn from your experience. Anything you might want to share there? I'll just start and I'll, I'll say it's about the person, right? It's not just about the working relationship, but it's about being able to call really with anything and understanding that workforce isn't a recruiting job. It isn't a leadership job. It's everybody's job, even at the front line. So my expectation of my team is if you have needs in the workforce, you must communicate them. We must get them out there. And the vehicle to do that is our recruiting team. They are not responsible. We do not push things on them. They are our partner and they will think through things with us. They have a different lens than we do. So I think it's about listening and responding to each other, knowing that as the workforce is tight, as it is in nursing, the early bird gets the worm here, meaning we've got to stay close and respond to each other's needs because time delays, 
but only hurt our clinical teams. And, and plus Kayla is, she just has a fresh perspective on it and she will try anything. And I love that. Absolutely love that about her. I think if I said, stand on your head, turn sideways, I think it's going to get us more candidates. She would do it for us. Um, Hold on. We're going to do the video for that for a minute. Hang, hang tight. We're going to picture out there, buddy. No. <laughs> There's nothing off the table that I can't call up and say, Hey, we're having problems here. That's the other thing. I'm comfortable enough to say, Hey, this isn't working. And I think some people don't get around to saying that and they let it go too long and then it hurts the relationship. And she'll do the same thing for me. In fact, she called me the other day and said, hey, I'm having a problem with this strategy. What do you think? And then we brainstorm together, not separate. So our teams, we're solving problems together. And I think it brings our teams closer. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of one of the marriage classes I attended years ago. Of all things, hold on, I'll get there. (laughs) But they said, it's about fighting for something, not fighting against something, right? Fighting each other. No, you're coming together. You both have the same thing you're trying to get accomplished through different mechanisms. And you're both still trying to serve, at the end of the day, serve the patients in your own respective ways. And you're fighting for something together instead of, again, in some organizations fighting against each other, which you spend your wheels, you don't get, you don't get where you need to get. And the people you're trying to serve ultimately are getting whatever's left after you've done that. So I'm loving those insights. Kayla, anything that you'd like to add there? Yeah, I would definitely say too, Betty Jo is really great of giving me a seat at the table. So I, Ben, you mentioned sometimes in, in some organizations, senior leaders will, oh, we're opening up a new department or new facility and they are planning and, and how many FTEs they need and things like that. But then sometimes the recruitment team's the last to know, okay, we have this all planned out. Now we need 50 new coworkers. But Betty Jo really pulls me along in those conversations. She has me involved in the operational meetings, so I know what's happening. Even though I'm not a nurse, I know what's going on the operational side and meeting biweekly and, and hearing what's happening so that I can better strategize on how I can meet her needs. Ask you one more question, and if, I don't know if you have a good answer to this or not, so just let me know. But one of the things that, that Betty just said that I thought was interesting is she said, Kayla will try anything. And I'm curious if you have an example of she comes to you and she asks you to do something, whether it's completely off the wall or just something that, hey, we never tried that before. I'm curious if you have any example, just an example of something like that in the last year or two, or she came to you, said, let's do something and you gave it a shot. Anything you can think of off the top of your head? Sure. Betty, Joe, do you want me to mention what we're, what we have in works right now, what we're trying to plan? Yeah, go ahead, Kayla. We can share. Okay. So in one of our hospitals, we met actually last week and putting together our strategy for the next fiscal year. And what does that look like? As she mentioned, post pandemic and how the market's going to, to look a little bit different. And we talked about what are the barriers that our leaders are experiencing and what are the barriers that our talent selection team is experiencing as well. And one thing that was brought up was workload, right? Our nurse managers, they have so much on their plate right now. They're trying to to lead their team. And with the COVID surges, sometimes they're taking care of patients and they're pulled in so many different directions that it's hard to focus on recruitment and retention and operations. There's only so many hours in the day. So just brainstorming of how can we take some of these administrative tasks off of their plate so that they can focus on more their team and retaining the talent that we have. So one thing that we're looking to try in one of our hospitals is having one person who will conduct all of the interviews for nursing. So it'll be a little bit different and the leaders are going to, you know, have to to trust to to give that power over to another nurse manager and the hospital. 
but she and, and Betty Jo can speak to her, but she's just amazing. She knows the different departments and what they're looking for. So she will be our point person who will conduct all of those interviews and then be able to say, okay, based off of what the candidate is looking for, this is where we think you would be a great fit. Or if they want to be an ICU nurse, but they're just not ready yet, how do we create a career pathway to get you there? Do you start in a med surge department and then you transfer to a step down unit and then you transfer to the ICU? That way we're keeping that candidate within our organization and not losing them to a competitor, but really investing in them and getting them to where they want to be and where they can be successful in our organization. This will take the interviewing off of the nurse manager's plate to give them more time to spend with their coworkers and, and operational and things that they need to be doing. And it will also take the administrative task off of them. When you think about when you hire on a new coworker and the onboarding and just getting them access and all of those administrative tasks that it takes just to onboard um, a new coworker can take up a lot of time from the nurse manager. So looking to, to really take those things off of their plate so that they can focus on retaining our talent. It's so exciting. One of the things I think of is we have, you could probably right now, if I asked Betty Jo offline, I could ask her and say, which of the people who are doing this currently, which one is the best fit for that? That one who loves finding ways to slot people in and loves helping people develop a career path and loves thinking about how do we onboard them and make this exciting for them? Where some leaders will do it because they have to as part of their job, but they're, they love other parts of their job. And that mm -hmm. allows you to really tailor that, that role around someone who fits that well, who is excited about that, who you know, wakes up at night with an idea for how to make that better. That's the other fun part of that is you're really giving them a chance to go super deep there and to create those experiences for those nurses to keep them, again, long-term. We know that the nursing shortage is a real thing. And part of that is let's create this path here so you can see something beyond just the next week or month or whatever else. We can see what sort of opportunities are ahead. That's really intriguing. Awesome. Wonderful. So thank you for sharing that. So if someone is listening in today, they're just, they are fascinated as I am probably with the story that, that you two have shared. If they want to learn more about Mercy, the work that you and the team are doing, what's the best way to do that? So check out our career site. It is careers.mercy.net. And on our career site, you can see about our history and our heritage. You can see what positions that we have open, how you can connect with our, our recruiters and our talent scouts, and really anything that you need to know about Mercy, where we're located. So yeah, that's, that's a great resource for you to find out more about Mercy. Okay. Thank you for that. I want to thank you both. This has been so much fun. Again, I, I, I said at the outset, uh, this I was looking forward to it. I was excited about it. And this did disappoint. I learned some great things. I have done recruiting as part of my long and checkered and fun uh, <laughs> past and from a career perspective, but I've never done anything in the healthcare space. And so I, it's always fascinated me to, to see you be able to make that connection between the candidates, how we connect with them, how we create this experience around them, and then ultimately what that leads to for the patients, the people we're serving, the people we're taking care of, often in their times of greatest need. So I, it is clear from this conversation that, that you and the team at Mercy are doing an amazing job at that. And at the same time, you're still innovating, still looking for ways to do it better. And that just excites me. So thank you both for taking some time to join me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This has been great. And it's been a pleasure to, to be on with you. So we appreciate it. Thank you, Ben. Yes, ma'am. Yes, Absolutely. thank you, Ben. Thanks for having us. Thank you both. And to everyone else out there, I hope you've enjoyed the conversation today. This is We're Only Human. I'm Ben Eubanks, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm honored to have you as a listener. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please take 10 seconds to rate it at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you know a friend that could benefit from today's conversation, please pass it their way. After all, a rising tide lifts all ships. To see show notes, sponsor information, and our full show archives, visit OnlyHumanShow.com. 